You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. Today we're going to talk about some unique fast casual concepts, and we're also going to talk about I guess a top of mind issue, which is the weather and what we're looking forward or not looking forward to in the coming months uh, with running restaurants. So my guest today is Seth Larson, who is the chief relationship officer at Chiba Hut. And, um, you know, I want you to explain the Chiba Hut concept for all of us. Yeah, absolutely, Barbara. Um, So Chiba Hut is a toasted sandwich concept. Uh, founded in 1998, so we've been doing this uh, quite a long time. Um, we most of our locations have full bars as well. Uh, we've been doing this um, fast casual thing since before that was a, such a stupid buzzword. Uh, but yeah, we got 35 locations in 12 states and uh, looking to add 12 plus stores next year and uh, feel really good about our position and, and where we're at. But um, we make great food. We take care of our people. Uh, culture is is vastly important to us, and uh, you know we think we do it a little bit different than uh, some other players out there. And you know we'll say you have a marijuana theme, um, but obviously you've been around since 1998. So if it was just a gimmick, um, you would be long gone. So obviously it's the food um, and the and the culture that keep people coming back. So can you just um, you know, give a little bit of the flavor of some of your menu items. Yeah, absolutely. Um, every sandwich that we have is is named after a strain of, of marijuana. Um, what we do, you know, our concept, our founder, Scott, um, founded Chiba Hut um, in, in the realm of um, kind of freedom of speech. Um, and, you know, uh, Back in 1998, as you mentioned, uh, the landscape was vastly different than it is right now. Um, it, it was it wasn't nearly as palatable um, as it is as it is right now with the green wave kind of taken across the United States as we've seen in this election. But um, you know, most of our all of our sandwiches are named after a strain of of marijuana. Um, you know, we're we're unapologetic about what we do, but we're also um, want people to feel comfortable when they come in. So, you know, even though we have um, the stoner demographic on lockdown, um, you know, we want everyone that comes in to feel comfortable. And um, I'm sure on any given day, plenty of people come in and have no idea that we're a pot themed sandwich shop. Uh, and that's that's fine by us. They know they come in, they get great food at a fair price and the hospitality is excellent and uh, and they keep coming back. So, you know, as you mentioned, um, if your food and your service suck, no one's coming back, no matter how good your theme is. And, uh, you know, that's that's driven us here for the last 22 plus years. So what states are you in now and where do you expect to expand? Yeah, our headquarters is up here in Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, Colorado and Arizona are our strongholds. Um, but we have locations in Oregon, California, New Mexico, Las Vegas, Nevada, um, Illinois, and, and the Chicagoland area. Uh, up in Wisconsin, um, so we're we're spread out pretty good down in Florida as well. 
So we're spread out pretty good, um, but our focus is really um, in the markets where we already have stores and brand recognition is building. Um, we're, we're currently not doing anything in the Northeast um, that is um, on our on our radar, absolutely, uh, but we're not quite ready for it. Um, so we're going to push that until late 2021. Uh, but building in, in markets where brand recognition is already strong, we just opened up in Chicago. We've been doing business in Madison, Wisconsin for um, nearly 10 years now. So uh, we like the Midwest a lot. Um, obviously, um, Colorado and Arizona are low-hanging fruit for us because uh, brand recognition is high and we've been doing business for, you know, 22 plus years, as I mentioned. Uh, but really nothing's off limits for us. You know, we our brand plays well um, across the United States uh, and the Green Wave has, has definitely helped that. Um, you know, marijuana and marijuana culture is definitely more palatable uh, than it was 20 years ago. So um, again, if you pride yourself on food um, and service, um, you know, you can really do business anywhere. So you know, we've proven that we got locations in urban markets. We got locations in, in, in the burbs. Um, you know, we have college locations um, and, and we can make it work really anywhere. So, um, you know, we feel good about it wherever, you know, good food is coveted um, and, and service and culture are important. Um, you know, we tend to do really well. So was there resistance to the brand because of the theme? Um, yeah, you know, over the years, we've seen um, a little bit of pushback here and there. But, you know, for the most part, we're, we're, we're very down to earth. Everyone that um, certainly at the headquarters office and, and all of our franchisees as well um, are, are very down to earth and, and straight shooters. And, uh, you know, we tend to win people over pretty quickly. Um, so not, you know, it's never been uh, – it's always – kind of an uphill battle, but we tend to win people over pretty quick. Um, you know, we love to be able to turn, um, you know, convert a customer. We call them conversions. Um, you know, someone that, you know, might initially be uh, staunchly opposed to Chiba Hut. Uh, then they come in, they see what we do, and uh, and then they're, they, you know, they're raving fans. So um, that's really been kind of our blueprint over the years is, you know, to turn um, casual customers into, you know, hardcore raving fans that come back multiple times a week and tell all their friends. And, you know, that's kind of how, how the legend builds Achiba Hut. And uh, we've been pretty successful with that. So when I walk in the door or I search you online, what kind of guest experience should I expect? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, as I mentioned, we do, you know, we're a fast casual model. So, um, you walk in, you know, it's, it's pretty typical. You have a couple registers up front there. Um, most of our locations have a full bar as well um, that you could sit down at non-pandemic, uh, depending on your municipality, uh, and order food as well. Uh, but, you know, just in the same realm as uh, any fast casual, a uh, couple registers up front, you place your order, um, you, you, you uh, grab your, your table uh, tag, you go sit down and we, we bring food to you. So um, it's, it's certainly not um, a QSR uh, and it's not a full service, but uh, it works really, really well for us. Um, you know, the, the bar is also important. It keeps people uh, a little bit longer. Um, you know, 
We would love if everyone came in and ordered a 12-inch sandwich, chips, and a drink, uh, but that's not really how people um, dine at restaurants anymore. You know, they might come in, they might grab a drink with their friend uh, who they're comfortable with in their pod during the pandemic, um, and they, you know, might split an appetizer or a couple four-inch sandwiches or something like that. So, um, you know, again, we don't care, you know, really how people um interact with Chiba Hut as long as they are on a frequent basis. That's that's far more important. But, uh, you know, most of our locations have um, full uh, full bars um, and patios. Um, you know, we've been talking about patios for two decades um, and not just in the last eight months with the pandemic. Uh, and that's and that's, you know, definitely paying off a little bit. Um, but, yeah, you know, we we, we try to offer the the highest level of hospitality that we can uh, with the model that we have. And uh, again, it's, it's pretty been pretty successful for us over the years. So what are your responsibilities as the chief relationship officer? Yeah, it's not a title that uh, you see uh, very often, um, but it's, it's all encompassing and it, it does a pretty good job of defining what I do. Um, I oversee our development department. So all new uh, franchisees and franchise sales, as well as real estate and construction. Um, I oversee all the supply chain to make sure all of our stores have what they need to be successful. Um, all contracts um, I negotiate on our behalf. Um, any relationships that we have um, with vendors or, or partners um, and typically the point contact for all interviews as well. So, you know, really anything that um, involves, you know, pushing the Chiba Hut brand forward, um, I oversee and uh, feel like I've done a pretty good job here over the years. How long have you been there? Uh, yeah, great question. I've been involved with Chiba Hut since 2005. Um, so it's been a very long run. Um, I, I knew about Chiba Hut's, um I went to school here at Colorado State University. I grew up in uh, the suburbs of Illinois uh, and came out to Colorado for school and uh, got familiar with Chiba Hut out here. And after I graduated, I, you know, as many graduates do, they float around a little bit for, you know, three to six months trying to figure out what they're going to do. And uh, I was no different and uh, just kept hitting up Scott, uh, our founder, and uh, was like, what do I got to do to be involved? Um, you know, this brand speaks to me and I, I whatever I can do, I, I want to do. And uh, eventually he uh, answered an email and uh, and got me on board. So yeah, I've been involved uh, involved with Chibut since 2005 uh, as a franchisee um, years ago, uh, as well as here at the headquarters office here for about the last six or seven years. So uh, it's been a good run. Um, it, it, my perspective is unique because I can speak as a as a franchisee as well as uh, you know a franchisor and kind of see both sides there. So um, it's a unique perspective, and I think it brings a lot of value to to our community. So let's talk about your experience as a franchisee. Um, what was it about the brand? You got a little bit there um, that excited you that you wanted to to work with them. Um, and how do you relate that to people who now are interested in working with you? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think um, there's a couple things there, right? So I think the, one of the main things is is um, the commitment to food quality. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're all we're all foodies. Uh, we've never went backwards in quality uh, on anything, only forwards, even if it meant more money. Um, and and you rarely see that in multi-unit restaurant brands. 
um, you, you usually see those cost cutting measures. So, um, you know, a commitment to, you know, food and, and quality um, is obviously paramount and, and that's attractive, you know, and was attractive to me uh, all those years ago and, and still is today. Um, you know, real food made by real people um, is, is, you know, a little cliche, but um, it is true, you know, and I think, um, you know, that's what's attractive to, um, you know, prospective franchisees that, you know, want to want to change a lifestyle and partner up with the Chiba Hut. Um, and, it, and it was for me, you know, back in 2005, um, you know, just doing things a little bit different. You know, we, we, you know, Chiba Hut typically zigs when everyone else is zagging. You know, you see a lot of um, chatter about, you know, kiosk ordering and, you know, doubling down on, you know, taking employees kind of out of the, out of the service cycle. And, you know, we're, we're doing the opposite, you know, we're, we're certainly mindful of technology and, and have all the great programs and, um, you know, everything is working during the pandemic, which is a good thing. Um, but, you know, we still want to be a destination. We want people to come and visit us and uh, pandemic or no pandemic. I think that that still does exist here uh, in America and the world. People, people want to go out, you know, and they, and they want to visit places and, you know, Chiba Hut wants to be that destination, you know, um, we want to be the place that, you know, you tell your friend who's traveling to Colorado that says, you know, when you land, you got to go straight to the Chiba Hut. And we see that um, all the time. And that's and that's great. So, um, you know, a little bit of that cult following, um, the commitment to quality, the, uh, you know, the, the, the people that are involved uh, with our brand um, at HQ and, and as well as our franchisees, you know, live our core values. That's you know, they, they have to live the core values and, you know, if people aren't, then, you know, they're not a fit for us. So, um, you know, I think all, all of those things that I touched on are, are super important and um, certainly what, what's kept me um, engaged with the Chiba Hut um, intimately, you know, over all these years and, you know, certainly is attractive to uh, new franchisees that are coming on board. And what kind of qualities do you look for in a franchisee? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, you know, we typically attract a friend. So we only, we don't sell single store deals. Um, we only sell three packs. Um, so our commitment, you know, we want, we, that's putting everyone in the best position possible. Um, certainly our franchisees and their team to provide real opportunity as they grow. Um, so, you know, a commitment to that multi-unit is super important. Um, but we also don't sell, you know, vast swaths of territory either. So, you know, we kind of start at that at that three store model and uh, and go from there. Um, that puts us in a great position to build brand awareness in a market and puts franchisees in the best position possible to, you know, provide real opportunity for for their people. Um, so, you know, multi unit um, is is super important to what we do. Um, you know. Typically, success in in another field that necessarily doesn't have to be restaurants, but um, they've had success in you know medical sales or real estate or construction, and they want to parlay it and, and kind of do something cool. So we see that time and time again, you know, and really putting our franchisees up to uh, you know our core values. Um, you know, we have the hustle, show respect, own it, pay it forward, and keep it real. Um, you know, nice and simple, um, and if you know, our franchise partners or, or really anyone that we do business with, it can be a vendor. Um, you know, if they're not living up to those core values, then um, we're going to have an issue. So um, that's made it really easy for us to, 
um, identify, you know, who's going to be a good fit and who isn't, um, not only on the franchise side, but, you know, on the vendor side and, you know, the partnership side and, and really everyone that we do business with. So how has the pandemic affected the brand and what are you doing to support the franchisees? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, man, it's, it, it's, what are we, nearly nine months of this pandemic, um, it's just kind of crazy to, to think back to, you know, the middle of March there. Um, it was a completely different time and it feels like a world away. Um, but we were, we were pretty quick to make, um, changes just to make sure that, um, we protected streams of revenue. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty well positioned, um, to handle, um, what was thrown at us. Uh, we don't have drive throughs So obviously, you know, the, the typical QSR has, has a leg up on us, but we're also not a, 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 a fine dining or a casual dining concept either. So um, our food travels well. Um, you know, we had a curbside program. Our ops and marketing team did a great job in making sure that, you know, our franchisees had all the tools that they needed to communicate with their customers. Um, and uh, overall, you know, the last... 23, 24 weeks, you know, we've been about flat um, off of our benchmark high week, which we were not comparing to last year. We're comparing to our busiest week in Chibot history, which was that first full week of March. We were coming off of our annual franchise meeting and uh, everyone had a belly full of fire and then uh, obviously getting beat down with this pandemic. So um, been about flat or up um, over the last 24 weeks off of that benchmark high week. So, you know, very, um, a huge accomplishment um, by the entire team. Um, and it's, it's really the people on the front lines that are making it happen. Um, you know, we, we do our best here at the office to, to set people up for success, but it's really the frontline employees and uh, franchise partners that are making it happen on a daily basis. And, you know, they're a direct representation of us. So um, they've done an incredible job. Um, and, you know, again, just trying to do whatever we can to protect those streams of revenue. The, the most some of the the biggest things, the two two biggest points around the pandemic, as it relates to the Chiba Hut brand, was um, average ticket. So pre pandemic, our average ticket was about fourteen fifty, uh, which is healthy. You know, significantly higher than what you would expect at a sandwich place, uh, but certainly not as high as a full service restaurant. Um, and at the height of the pandemic, um, our average ticket was nearing twenty dollars. So what we saw is, you know, people were only going out one time. They were ordering for their entire family or their roommates. Um, and it was it was really cool to see, you know, our, our diehard customers, you know, doing the best they could to support us in, in very tough times. So that average ticket was, was you know, very telling. And um, even though it's leveled out a little bit, it's still up significantly, you know, 25%-ish um, compared to pre-pandemic. So... Um, you know, cool, cool to see that. And then, um, the transition into digital, um, pre pandemic, you know, less than 2% of our orders were coming through, um, our app. Um, and, uh, now it's nearly 20% of sales are coming through the app. So we could have never got that push into the 21st century, um, without, um, 
you know, an, an outside pandemic, an outside force kind of forcing that behavior. So, um, you know, of course, we want to do business um, not in a pandemic. Um, it would have been a, a lot easier for us. Uh, but there are some positives that came out of it, you know, and, and uh, you know, we do think, you know, even as we transition into, um, you know, vaccine territory and, and whatever that might whenever that might happen, that some of those are some of those um, things that we've seen are going to be long lasting. You know, I don't think our digital sales are going to go um, back to 2%. I'll just say that much, you know, so it's, uh, uh, it's interesting to see. And then, you know, back to your question about what we did for the franchisees, uh, we immediately cut the, the brand fund and gave relief there. Um, you know, I, I think you saw a lot of franchisors, um, you know, kind of circling the wagons and trying to figure out what to do. Uh, but our founder, Scott, and, and our leadership team um, decided that, you know, instant relief um, is the most important because, you know, we are, we're a family, you know, and um, we want to take care of, care of our people. And, you know, a franchise agreement is uh, 10 years at a minimum. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that we take care of our community and, um, you know, that, our franchisees were, were stoked about that. And uh, if we had to do it again, I'm sure, I'm sure we would. And I know Scott would. So now things are getting colder um, and you already had the patios figured out in most cases. Um, so what are you doing to make elongate, I guess, the outdoor dining time um, so that the franchisees can, um, you know, kind of recoup on, um, on some outdoor dining for a longer period of time. Yeah. Um, it's tough, right? So the hardest part about the pandemic has been, um, there's no one size fits all. Um, it's 50 different States, 50 different plans, but it's really, you know, hundreds of different cities and municipalities and hundreds of different plans. So um, that's been a, a challenge for our ops team to, to try to come up with a plan that that works for everyone, and it's 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 impossible. So, um, you know, but what we can do is is you know focus regionally, and um, of course we're doing the stuff that that makes sense, right? Like if we if you can put up a tent up on your patio and, and add some seats and add a heater, you know those are those are low hanging fruit. Um, you know, I just. I just found out today that, you know, the whole state of California um, isn't allowing any indoor dining now. So, um, you know, being able to be nimble and to make changes um, as necessary um, has been crucial during the pandemic. Um, you know, we, we have uh, three levels of service. Um, you know, we do kind of a red, yellow, green, um, and we can operate in any of those and can, you know, turn it on and turn it off as needed. Um, but we have a curbside program, you know, so, you know, if you place your order on our app, you can, you know, get curbside and, and get it brought right out to you. Um, and we're, and we're cool with that, you know, and, you know, here in Colorado right now it's 25% capacity. So again, you just, you do the best you can with what you have. Um, and you, uh, advise your franchisees, um, to do the best that they can with what they have. Um, and, and, you know, again, I think it comes down to the nimbleness um, in being able to make those changes and make those recommendations. Um, you know, the, the patios are important, but, you know, out in 
you know, well, Chicago's had unseasonably great weather these past few weeks, but, uh, you know, uh, patio seating in January in Chicago, you know, isn't feasible. Um, you know, I don't care how many patio heaters you have, like that's not enjoyable. So, um, you know, again, just doing the best you can with what you have, um, you know, being a fast casual, um, having customers be able to, to, to walk up and place their order at the register, even if they can't sit down in the dining room. Um, that's been, you know, hugely successful for us. Um, you know, limited capacity to, you know, kind of back to business and it runs the gamut currently still to this day uh, in all the states that we do business. So, you know, just trying to be nimble and uh, protect those streams of revenue, make sure that your technology is working. Um, you know, if, if our app or website go down and, and people can't order, um, that's, that's, a, that's a huge um, impact into our, our, our daily operations. So, you know, just making sure that, you know, everything is as sound as it can be um, is, is so important during the pandemic. So you mentioned how technology you know, you, you kind of saw the success that you were having um, with the app. Um, so do you think that you'd be more likely to integrate more technology um, in the future? Yeah, it's um, it's tough, right? Because that's kind of the way that restaurant technology is designed now. It's, it's, um, it's in the cloud and it's uh, integrated and uh, open API is a term that I hear and I say, but I don't really know what it is. Um, so, you know, it, it's always a challenge. You know, I think what you do is you partner with the best brands that you can, the industry leaders, and, and do the best that you can with what you have. So, you know, on our POS, we use Rebel POS. Um, Olo is our, is our delivery partner um, for, you know, integration with... Um, dispatch and rails uh, and what they do there. So um, Punch um, operates our, our app that we launched in the middle of the pandemic and our marketing department did a great job with. So, you know, again, I think, you know, you have to be mindful about the partners that you bring on and the bandwidth that it takes. Um, you know, technology definitely has a purpose and we're, you know, we're in it and we, we certainly have a lot of technology partners, uh, but it does um, create unintended consequences um, pretty much at every, every step of the way. So you got to be mindful of it. Um, but, you know, partnering with industry leaders um, in, in each category um, has, has been um, kind of our roadmap and, and has been uh, successful for us. So, um, you know, the, our partners were there for us when, when we needed them and, uh, and they continue to be today and, uh, you know, making sure that it works and, and more importantly, that it doesn't impact the store level operations because kind of going back to the, you know, you're sitting in an office, you don't know the stress level, um, of that store when there's a line to the door, there's, uh, uh, tickets are backing up. You got, uh, you know, curbside orders that you need to expedite. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, um, you know, your app orders aren't printing and you're having to re-enter them in, right? So, you know, we've, we've always made decisions um, with the crew member uh, in mind because we know that they're dealing with it on a daily basis. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're not throwing too much at, at the line, that everything's working, at that, uh, you know, any, any technology that we launch is, is adding and not taking away um, from what we're doing. 
And I'm assuming that also the guest factors into that, that you want something that will enhance their experience and not be too challenging for them. Absolutely. And and the only reason I kick it back to the crew member is they're our number one customer, right? If if we are serving, uh, for example, if we're serving uh, a ham that the crew member um, is questioning and they're telling all their friends, don't get the ham at Chiba Hut because it's low quality, uh, that's going to project to the customer, right? So, you know, if we, if we can think about our crew member as our number one customer, um, you know, everything else kind of falls into place, but certainly customer facing, you know, technology and, and brand. When we talk about brand, um, in Chiba Hut, it goes hand in hand and it's got to be brand aligned, you know, and, uh, we and we've been around for 22 years so you know the things that we do we don't want to ostracize our, our our ogs that have been supporting us since 1998 uh but it's also got to um flow with um you know the people that were born in 2000 when i graduated high school that uh are kind of the the new up and coming customer base for us so um it, it's something that we're always mindful of and um it's important to have that balance so our offices are located in New Jersey, which um, just had a ballot measure to legalize marijuana. Um, so, do you is that where you see the ba- the brand growing in in this as more states head towards legalization? Yeah, I think I think uh, you know the I think it was Montana, New Jersey, uh, Arizona, and South Dakota. Yeah, that passed on this last. Uh, round of round of voting. Um, so it, it's good to see, you know, and I mentioned some states in there that you would never think um, that would never legalize um, marijuana. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to see. So um, that's great. We love it. We think that that's awesome. Um, we never let political um, leanings dictate where we want to grow. Um, you know, of course it's, it's good for business, but you know, our food isn't medicated, you know, it never will be. We don't want to confuse our customer base, um, especially since we've been doing this for so long. So, um, you know, I think it's more in the realm of, um, you know, that green wave, you know, and it's, it's becoming more palatable, you know, to think that, you know, uh, a marijuana charge in Arizona in, in the 2000s was still a felony and now it's 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 decriminalized and legal um that's a massive step forward so um you know i think it's good but again we we don't we don't chase um the political um leanings uh, and which states are going you know recreational or medicinal um but it, it certainly helps you know and i think just the palatability and um you know opening people's minds a little bit um definitely helps um you know, but that's not to say that there's not, you know, thousands of incarcerated individuals still in prison to this day uh, for marijuana charges. So um, that's kind of the bigger issue. And you don't get political, but do you, does the brand um, work toward any reconciliation or, or, or take, um, you know, or take points of view on any of these political issues? Yeah, you know, um, it's funny that you say that because I do. We have a call today, kind of about that very thing, you know. And um, it's 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 a twenty twenty is a very weird time, um, and you know, as a brand, you know, it's it's it is time for us to do a little bit more. Um, we never want to be the brand that you see um, 
so many, you see them all the time that um, do a lot of talking, but no action, no actionable um, items to back it up. So it, it, it's what we're talking about right now and, and certainly have been here for like the last six months. Um, but I have a call today on it and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, really solidify, um, you know, what our external cause is going to be. Cause you know, we, we have a, a, a solid platform to, to move the needle on a lot of issues. Um, and we want to make sure that we get it right. So we are committed to that and it's something that we're certainly working towards. So what is your outlook for the brand in 2021 and for the restaurant industry as a whole? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 2020, you know, we've, we've opened during the pandemic, we opened six new locations, uh, which in non-pandemic times, that's a, a, a huge chunk for us, you know, only having 35 total stores currently. Um, so we, you know, we learned a lot and, uh, you know, feel good about that. But there's, you know, massive brands um, that are um, equity you know, driven and um, they didn't open six locations in 2020. So, you know, Chiba Hut's always kind of punched above its weight um, in every, in every, at every turn. And, uh, you know, I don't, 2021 is no different. Um, you know, we're, we're on track here to, to open 12 plus stores in 2021. Um, they will open. Um, and the, you know, there, there's some positives to it too. You know, I think, um, there will be some real estate opportunities. Um, you know, I think commercial real estate as a whole um, was kind of at a tipping point and, you know, vastly um, over overvalued. Um, so, you know, I think that some real estate opportunities um, and, and some rent rates will come down. Um, you know, I think when you could see it this week, right. You know, there's, there's talk of a vaccine and, uh, you know, 90% effective from Pfizer and the stock market goes through the roof, um, you know, and it's, you know, I, I don't like to use the stock market as a barometer for, you know, kind of what's going on because it's a, it's a little, it's a little fluffy, but, um, you know, people are going to come back out. I, I believe that people are going to come back out in full force uh, once they feel safe, obviously, um, and, and spending will be at um, the highest levels that we've ever seen. Um, people are going to try to make up for that missed time, right? It's been a long eight plus months. Um, it's going to be a long winter. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I do think um, in the second half of 2021, um, we're going to see, you know, exponential consumer spending. Um, and, and, and that's a good thing. You know, um, I certainly um, can't wait to get back out to restaurants on a regular basis um, without, you know, a ton of restrictions. Um, you know, and I, I think the general population feels the same way. So, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm typically a glass half full kind of guy. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. And, you know, I'm optimistic about the restaurant industry and uh, I'll just say the later half of 2021. Thank you so much. This has been great.